Hello and welcome to the Corny Turner Radio Hour. It is the very first day, Monday of 2024. I don't know about you, but I think we might be in for a ride this year. Um, so yeah, so it's just such an honor to be here with you on this very first day of the year on WCR Worldwide Radio. And I'm going to preface this by apologizing because I actually had another show that I was going to do for you. And that will be coming, so definitely stay tuned uh, on Mondays at 3 o'clock Central Time. That will be coming. However, I did record it. The audio actually didn't take, and I think that was for the best because I found more research, and it will be hopefully a great show for you. But this one uh, kind of caught me off guard. I just felt that it was urgent and time-sensitive. I only learned of this topic this week, actually. So... I apologize. It's going to be a very cursory introduction and really intended for y'all to do your own research, investigate, and hopefully a call to action to stop what looks like a tremendous disaster, in my opinion. So we're going to talk today about something they call NACs. It's NAC, which stands for Natural Asset Companies. And uh, that is really just, just what it sounds like, but we're going to try and unpack as much of it as possible. You know, they do like to couch it in all sorts of fancy, complex type of terms. But really, very simply, I used to make the joke that they were going to start regulating and charging for the air we breathe. And that looks like that day may come sooner rather than later, unless we stop this train wreck. So... Yeah, so we're going to dive into that. Uh, and just for those who are listening, if you want to go back and uh, you know follow up on anything you heard in this broadcast, I will be doing a video of this as well. So you can find all of that at CourtneyTurner.com. So if I'm going to have just visual sources and some articles that will be in there if you want to go back and recap anything you listened to in this broadcast. And that is CourtneyTurner.com. And I spell my name like Courtenay. So that is C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y-T-U-R-N-E-R.com. So I thought we'd start by playing this video. I unfortunately, you know, I'd like to give credit, but I don't know who it is. Um, it was, uh, I think, Red River posted on YouTube. And there's no face or name. But I thought she really summed it up, kind of how I feel about this topic. So I thought we would start by playing that and then we'll talk exchange concerning IEG and that stands for intrinsic exchange group. IEG is seeking to bring these NACs to public markets using a new proprietary accounting framework. I looked into this new to me, but from what I can tell, it is called triple bottom line accounting. Nowadays, it's called three P's, people, planet, profits. You may be wondering how would these companies make money? Simple answer is carbon credits. The diabolical perspective of these natural asset companies, however, is to remove productive land from the economy. If it is public land, then 50% of the shares will have to be put into a trust for the local community and if it is private land that the natural asset company brings to public markets then five percent will have to be put into some kind of a trust and before i go make sure to engage with this video and tell me how right or wrong i am another thing to note is the use of the word sustainable instead of renewable 
in the proposed rule change. My personal opinion is that you will see these natural asset companies brought to market in 2024 because there is still plenty of ESG money out there. You still haven't realized that anytime you have a weighted model, this time an accounting model that's weighted, you have to ask who's doing the weighting? W-E-I-G-H-T-I-N-G. So yeah, there you have it. I think that kind of, it's a really good place to start. Uh, essentially, they are, normally you would think that people profit off of productivity, but what they're essentially creating is a model that de-incentivizes any productivity um, and really seizes the ownership of land. So we're, I think that as much as uh, I can give you all of my opinions and the opinions of others, it's really great to go directly to the source and see what they say about it. So we'll play a video from the New York Stock Exchange because it is in conjunction with them. But before we do that, I, I just wanted to comment on when she says she thinks she's going to see this in 2024. Uh, she was, uh, you know, definitely prescient in, in that because we are up against the what, reason I said this is urgent and time sensitive is originally the SEC was going to be ruling on this filing to allow uh, natural asset companies to be on the New York Stock Exchange exchange uh january 2nd this has actually been extended to january 18th as i said i had never heard of this until this week i don't think i'm alone in that and i think it's quite egregious to push something so monumental that it's going to impact so many people and that has such detrimental consequences for our future without more people having even the awareness that this is going underway. So let's look at the New York Stock Exchange website and see what they say about natural asset companies. I think they have a video that we can play. The value of nature to life on earth is visible everywhere. Healthy ecosystems produce clean air and water, foster biodiversity, regulate the climate, and provide the food on which our existence depends. Economists estimate the value of these ecosystem services at more than $100 trillion per year. And yet, they have been largely invisible to the financial system. Until now. The NYSE, in partnership with the Intrinsic Exchange Group, is filing listing standards with the SEC to introduce natural asset companies. Natural asset companies will be corporations that hold the rights to the ecosystem services produced by natural or working landscapes. These rights will be licensed from sovereign nations, private landowners, or companies with significant property holdings. The introduction of natural asset companies will allow institutional and retail investors to express their environmental protection investment thesis at scale and spur the capital formation necessary for the preservation and transformation of natural and working landscapes. Together, NYSE and IEG are working to bring natural assets into the financial mainstream, ending the overconsumption of and underinvestment in nature. So as you heard there, uh, they, they're going to put it on the public exchange. So even sovereign nations can now invest. I can just see 
I, I remember there was a memo from Defense Minister Chi Hochim. Forgive me if I'm mispronouncing that, uh, but he was a Chinese defense minister. And in that secret memo, but the Epic Times had uh, re revealed it, they, they published it. And in it, he was talking about how uh, they were in China, they were basically buying up American land. They had deeds already on uh, land in the United States. And I could just see them now, you know, looking at this as a prime opportunity. So it, it opens a gateway for uh, not only people who may not be, uh, you know, necessarily aligned with you to be owning property that you think you own. Uh, it now also opens the door for other countries who may be adversarial to us to have some sort of stake in that land, which I think is quite concerning. So as, as I said, that this is a partnership with IEG. IEG is Intrinsic Exchange. Uh, yes, yeah, so here it is, the Intrinsic Exchange Group. And uh, it was on October 2023, the Securities Exchange Commission, SEC, proposed a rule to approve the creation of a whole new investment vehicle called NAC Natural Asset Companies. And this vehicle was created. It was put forth by the Intrinsic Exchange Group in partnership with the New York Stock Exchange. So this see what they say about it. This I'm pulling up their website, and you can see they say that, uh, and this is really easy to find. You just go to the Intrinsic Exchange Group, and it comes right up, and they talk, most of it is all talking about what NACs are, Um and how they're going to take them public uh, through IPO, the market transaction will succeed converting the long understood but uh, to date underpriced value of nature in the fin into financial capital. This monetization event will generate the funding needed to manage, restore, and grow healthy ecosystems around the world and bring us closer to achieving a truly sustainable circular economy. I think it's really important to note those words sustainable. By sustainable, they mean the you know, 17 sustainable goals. We will get to uh, a little bit later. The UN has been working on this for a very long time. It does look like there are several countries that have already adopted, you know, this uh, model in some regard. Uh, they're really looking to seize the United States. And I think particularly the United States land is of major interest to them. Uh, uh, those of you who are familiar with my work know that I think it's really important to trace the money. So. I looked into who their funding partners were over at IEG, and it looks like they were funded by the Rockefeller Foundation. And we'll have clips later where the CEO, D Douglas Edgar, talks about that. Uh, he was asked about their involvement and what, you know, why they were interested in this. Uh, so it's the Rockefeller Foundation with supporting partners, including the International Environmental Organizations like the World wildlife fund uh, some of you may know that was a vision of julian huxley um, that has been brought to fruition the idb which is the inter-american development bank uh, which is very involved in uh, lands in south america here their website for those who are viewing and uh, they're it's they're very involved in latin america and the caribbean um, and then the idb lab which is obviously in partnership with the idb and uh, let's see, we might have that site as well. For those viewing, it's really easy to search. Uh, then there's also the Aberdare Ventures. And uh, I am not too familiar with them, 
However, when I did a quick search just on their website, it looks like they're really involved in healthcare and technologies. So that is something, as I said, this just came to my attention a few days ago. So I, there's a lot more research and digging that I would do if I had more time. I find it very curious that these NAC, something invest is investing in NACs that's involved in healthcare and technologies. So yeah, that just seems a little bit interesting to me. I would, like I said, have to investigate further as to who they are. And then the other one was entertaining ideas. I don't know if they're a company, an NGO. I have no idea. I could not find anything on them. So, but those are their partners. And uh, that is who is funding the uh, Intrinsic Exchange uh, Group. And uh, so this is just, so what are NACs, right? I thought we would do look up a couple of different sources to see what they say about NACs. The Business Insider says this new asset class on the New York Stock Exchange will create virtuous cycle of investment in nature that would help finance sustainable developments for communities, companies, and countries. Developing a new class of publicly traded assets called natural asset companies or NACs that are sustainable enterprises holding the rights to ecosystem services produced by natural working or hybrid land. And we saw that right on the IEG website uh, that they were talking about the natural working or hybrid lands. Um, and they're going to preserve. So the, it's very interesting how they word all of this though. And I want to really, uh, you know, raise people's attention to it because essentially they're talking about conservation. That's what most of this is all geared towards. Um, they do not want pro production. They don't want productivity. So it's going to devalue the land itself. Um, it will also devalue uh, the production of that land. And to me, this is just incredibly egregious. So according to the American Stewards of Liberty, which I will get to them at the end of this, I, I highly recommend you check out their work, uh, in particular, Mar Margaret uh, Beifeld, who has had some personal uh, experience that has really, you know, deepened her understanding of all of this. And she's been doing tremendous work. So, but definitely American Stewards of Liberty, I recommend checking them out. They say the purpose for this new investment product is to provide a vehicle for the elite investors and governments to profit from the protection of natural resources created by climate crisis policies. It is why the same proponents have been calling for the permanent protection of at least 30% of the world's land and oceans by 2023. This is called the 30 by 30 land grab or 30 by 30 agenda but land grab is really what it is. Uh, they are advocating for a preservation of 30% of the land. And essentially that means human free land. This is to an attempt to advance towards what they call the half earth agenda, which essentially means that half of the earth will be inhabited by humans. And uh, there is a book, uh, this was by a biologist, uh, it was uh, E.O. Wilson who wrote this book called The Half Earth, and this was back in 2016. So this has been around for a while. So this map, uh, for those who are watching, you can see I have a map up, and this is what it looks like. And there is very little land that, that looks available for human uh, or normal use, rather, is what they call it. Uh, so this is quite 
scary. I remember back in 2020, a lot of people were talking about this uh, UN Agenda 2030 map. And I think this is really what they were referring to. Uh, I don't know, but I, I, it was something that was kind of circulating on social media. And I think this is really what they were aiming at. And this does look quite terrifying. There is very little land that is a segmented uh, allocation for uh, normal, quote unquote, use, which means, you know, typical human inhabitation. Uh, and uh, so they're... They're aiming towards this. I'm going to, this is also, okay, let me read the rest of this quote. Uh, these same actors are also pushing the net zero and decarbonization policies. So as you heard in the first video, she's talking about how they would essentially monetize through carbon credits. So this is all about depopulation. This is all about basically a neo-feudal system, which is quite scary. So... Let's play this uh, video. Uh, it is, uh, I believe this is the Margaret um, Beifeld video. Let's see if we have that one. It was a Twitter clip that I had found. And yes, here we go. 30 by 30 agenda is an international agenda to permanently protect 30% of the world's lands and oceans by 2030. So this is land that we don't get to use. In America, Biden implemented this six days after coming into office. Congress has authorized the federal government to spend $900 million every year, half of which has to be spent on private land acquisitions. That's kind of scary because in this country, we're already at a place where the government, local, state, and federal, own 40% of our land. They can accomplish 30 by 30 and they're well on their way to accomplishing the half earth agenda. So that's 50 by 50. They are interested in total control of the land because if they control the land, they can control the people. 30 by 30 agenda is an international agenda. So I, I think this is just my speculation, but it really looks like they were waiting for the Biden administration uh, you can see that there is several, uh, just like very beginning when his one of his first executive orders was this White House uh, briefing um, uh, attack, attacking climate crisis at home and abroad. Uh, so we'll see if I can find that. Uh, it was an yeah, tackling the climate crisis at home and abroad. And this was uh, back in January of uh, 2021 so pretty early on and i think this was really part of his whole he had a 15 year uh plan for a greener uh greener world is you know what he was saying and uh i don't know if i can find that uh, but part of that initiative the 15 year initiative was this america the Be beautiful uh, and let's see if I can possibly pull that up for those who are watching it. Um, but this was uh, pretty early on in his, uh, yeah, presidency. And then, then this is another one, the, the U.S. Department of Interior. Nature is essential to the health and well-being and prosperity of every family, every community in America. Today, we announced our efforts to conserve at least 30% of the lands and waters by 2030. So this is clearly... 
the 20, the 30 by 30 agenda. And the hashtag was America, the beautiful conserving and restoring America, the beautiful. This was launched in 2021 and it sounds great. I do think America has, uh, is tremendously beautiful and we do have uh, incredible uh, resources. However, you'll see on the very first page, they talk about the climate task force. So I, I don't think that this is really aimed, this is more about the climate agenda uh, than it is really about valuing the, the land and the beauty of America. So they, it does look like they were really involved from very early on. There was an article in WND that goes through his 15-year green economics plan. Um, so that was Biden's uh, Biden administration green, 15-year uh, green economics plan. And uh, there was also, let me see what else was there. Uh, if this is the green economics plan, which is as you as the name sounds, it's, it's the green agenda. Um, and then there were some other things that the Biden administration did pretty early on. There was the White House uh, capital accounting strategy. We're going to get to that in a minute. But uh, there was also the White House fact sheet, nature on balance sheet. Um, and then there was the uh, strategy for uh, putting nation, yeah, to put the nation on uh, a balance sheet. So we'll see if we can find those clips, uh, but those were, yeah, nature provides people with services and opportunities for the future. That is why we are putting it on the na national balance sheet. So I think that it's interesting to note that this is, as I was saying about the UN, this has really been in the works for a very long time. And uh, it did seem like they had to create in a completely new accounting system and I want to share just this is a total tangent side note, uh, but in, about statistics, <laughs> I actually had to teach myself statistics when I was in high school because I wrote 285 page theses on dream analysis. And in order to pr prove my hypothesis or test my hypothesis, rather, I had to learn statistics. I was a junior in high school. I was the only junior who did this research project. And I remember that when I first started to dive into this, I realized that Okay, so basically statistics is just a tool so I can, you know, confirm my my bias. <laughs> and I remember telling my mom that and she's like, Courtney, that's not how it works. I'm like, no, no, that that that's how it works. <laughs> uh, and it, it does often look that way. I, I don't want to undermine the entire field, but I think the founder of statistics actually said something quite similar as well. So I just thought it was kind of funny because when I was looking through this uh UN's uh, system of environmental economic accounting, which is their ecosystem accounting, because as I said, they had to create a whole new system of accounting uh, because for these NACs, and because the what they call general uh, general applied principles of uh, general account uh, accounting principles didn't work. It, it's it's gap. I actually had to look up gap. I didn't know what gap was. And I thought, so I thought this was really funny, but what came up was like the demon gap. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I thought that that was kind of hilarious because they do tend to signal, I think it might just be a total coincidence, but I did think that that was um, really funny. But yeah, so this is the UN system. And I think they started working on this at like 
this right the on the site here it says that the united nations statistical commission adopted the seea uh, ecosystem accounting in the 56th session in march 2021 um and then they give a link to where you can find it but i'm pretty sure that this was in the works much much earlier um yeah i i can't see from here but it says something the development of how many countries but uh okay more than 34 countries and so yeah they you can go to the un site and it will list uh you know just look up the sea uh system so for those of you watching i looked up yeah get, i looked up what gap was and not realizing this was you know obviously i knew they were talking about the financial uh gap accounting but uh what came up was this and it was funny because it describes a a prince in human form who incites love and uh, it provide medical care for women but then it makes them it makes it easier for them to get a lover but then it renders them infertile so i i just thought that was really funny that that's what came up when i so I just wanted to share that um but yeah so the uh the they created, so the White House, and uh, you may have seen, if you're watching, that scrolled up. Uh, they created, it's a, about over 100 pages. It's the National Strategy to Develop Statistics for Environmental Economic Decisions, a U.S. System of Natural Capital Accounting and Associated Environmental Economic Statistics, Office of Science and Technology P Policy Office of Management and Budget Department of Com Commerce. And this was January of 2023. So it does look like, again, I don't know, I'm not working behind the scenes, but it really looks like they were gearing up, you know, the UN, I have a quote later uh, about something like 90 countries were already invested in this accounting model. However, it looks like they were really trying to prime the United States to jump on board. And uh, it says, yes, the United uh, fact sheet, this is January 19th of 2023. The Biden-Harris administration releases national strategy to put nature on the balance sheet. So I don't know. To me, this really looks like, if anything, looks like a Gnostic inversion uh, where they, they want to play God, uh, you know, taking control of nature and commoditifying it is... Uh, really just about as twisted as, as I could possibly conceive. So let's see, where are we now? Uh, this is the national strategy. So the, I thought it was also interesting when I was, that came up in my research, uh, this Confluence Partners, uh, they essentially, the IEG hired a PR firm and I just thought that was very interesting because they clearly felt like they had to steer uh, journalists and they talk about that on their website. Really, you know, they say how it's so complex and the journalists just wouldn't understand how to poise the narrative. Uh, and so they had to hire this PR firm uh, to steer the journalists and uh, the intrinsic exchange group was at their case study of these confluence partners who i'm not familiar with their work either so i will have to dive into them at a later date uh, but you can easily look them up and uh, they do look like a marketing firm this <laughs> is it's a very like you know catchy kind of colorful website 
And uh, yeah, if you scroll to the bottom, they talk about also how they have to position for NGOs, which I thought was interesting as well. Um, so that might be worth people taking a look at. And from there, they say, uh, this is right off of that website, they say the intrinsic group, uh, the intrinsic exchange group claims new natural asset economy will be 5,000 trillion economy for the four times larger than today's economy, which is 105 trillion. This is because they are creating an entirely new set of values, quantifying and monetizing natural processes and ecosystem services with every human being must have to live and has no right to own. They are quite literally attempting to profit from and control the air we breathe. Sorry, this is not from that site. Um, I'm not sure where that quote is from, but I do agree with it. Um, that is very much what it sounds like is occurring. And that uh, 500,000 trillion, so I looked and I, I don't remember where, they, one of them, they say 125 trillion, and this was off of, and we'll get to it later, but that was right off of the World Economic Forum had talked about that. So as I was saying, the World Economic Forum has been priming this for quite some time, and we have several um, links on that. But they, they there was, and I think it might have been either New York Stock Exchange or it was the IEG. I'm not sure. You'll have to do a little search. I apologize. As I said, I went through all of this, you know, really recently, very quickly. But they had talked about 125 trillion uh, is what they valued it, but then it was going to the total assets would be uh, five quadrillion. Either way, it is an astounding number, obviously, of what they have valued. And uh, they seem pretty giddy to get their hands on this and make this essentially to make all the natural resources a commodity for themselves. And when I say themselves, it seems like, you know, we, we remember over the past few years, BlackRock buying up all of these single family homes and then people could not have access to them because they were buying it at over 20% of what the, the, the market value was. And most people could not afford to compete with that. And I very much see something really similar happening. And I think this is an egregious agenda trying to force people into cities so they can create the smart city grid. I've talked a lot about the UN 100, uh, you know, AI World Society. And it does seem like that's what they're really pushing and priming for. So, of course, they need to take ownership of farmland and of uh, cons conserve land and push people out of there. Uh, so this is the AI World Society, which is the UN 100 imagining the centennial of the UN, which of course was founded in 1945. So this would be 2045. And it's in conjunction with the Boston Global Forum. And uh, Michael Dukakis wrote the book, which is Remaking the World towards an age of global enlightenment. If that doesn't sound like a nod to the new age movement, I don't know what does. <laughs> uh, and of course, you know, this is very aligned with the UN who, you know, speaking of new age, of course, they Lucius Trust, which I did a show on not too long ago. Um, yeah, so let's see, maybe we can uh, go through Let's uh, pull up some of the videos. I think, again, it's really important. I can tell you all of my opinions on this, but it's great to hear from the horse's mouth. So the CEO, Douglas Egger, of the uh, Intrinsic Exchange Group, and uh, his first video uh, that I have here for you is where he's going to be talking about financial incentives while decreasing 
the productivity. So remember I said that was something I really want people to kind of pay attention to the the wording they use, these buzzwords, I feel like are just a signal to the initiates, if you will. You know, things like sustainable, things like transformational, which is another buzzword they talk about a lot. Uh, the circular economy, which is just a code word for communism. Uh, there's really, there's not a, they, they like to make it sound very complex and uh, advanced, but it is really essentially just communism. It's redistributionism. And uh, yeah, so let's play this video. If you can't price nature and you can't properly include it, our aspirations, we may kind of dream green, but we live our lives by the red and black of financial statements, personally, companies and countries. And so to be able to find a way to incorporate the value of nature without it having to be a policy solution. So my goal was, could there be a natural market solution? Because we, we've been building slowly, you know, kind of an arch on one side policy and then the realization of the value of nature. And, you know, we, we, we went from taxes and regulation to transfer artificial markets like carbon. And we're getting really close to pricing it in, but we're missing that fundamental piece that said the underlying asset is valuable. And if we could convert that directly into financial capital and allow investors and people to participate and align their financial interests and their financial future and their wealth with nature, rather than looking at it something that you have to extract from to, to you know, uh, become wealthy, uh, to, to make a living, you could, in fact, utilize its intrinsic value and its productive value to drive a financial instrument. So it was kind of a deep dive on how, how do we create wealth? You know, what, what's the fundamentals that are required? And could our financial, you know, creativity be harnessed to, to solve this problem? The companies benefited from these early investments by the Inter-American Development Bank and the Rockefeller Foundation. Can you tell us about the involvement of them, getting them on board, and how they are built into the firm's mission and its operations? Sure. Uh, you know, we were incredibly fortunate that the Inter-American Development Bank early on recognized, you know, the, the potential of the idea. And it was nascent, you know, when they first heard it. And you, and you don't think Development Bank is your first kind of risk investor. But in a way, it makes sense. They're on the front line of a lot of problems, and they're trying to solve them. And I think this is true of, you know, Rockefeller Foundation and a, a lot of, you know, philanthropy. I think being on the front line and often filling you know, the, the starter role, putting in seed money to try to get an idea going. And it, oftentimes it's like putting a little bit of gas in the engine. It would start. But without a natural market to keep it going, you just have to either keep funding it through philanthropy or grants or whatever, or, or it will retrograde. And so I think those at, you know, the IDB understood that and they said, we're moving closer to this solution. You hear in the beginning, he's talking about how we live in the red and black, you know, financially, in uh, governments, in our daily lives, personally. So essentially, it sounds like they're trying to manufacture um, financial incentives in natural assets, which theoretically, you know, uh, should not be a public commodity, I would argue. Um, so I, I think the best, the really key point to, to bear in mind with this is that typically you have 
like if you own land, for instance, like the analogy would be, let's say you were to invest in land and you thought that it was going to be a gold mine, literally, like you invested in land that you thought had potential to yield tremendous gold and you were going to start a gold mining uh, business. So traditionally, you would be rewarded for the risk you took, the work that you uh, put in, the efforts, and then you would either reap the rewards of your efforts or you would then be, you know, you might lose, right? Sometimes we take risks and they don't pan out so well. So that would be kind of traditional. In this case, they are, we're, we're creating a financial incentive not to produce anything on the land. So as you saw in that beginning video, they talked about how they were going to monetize with through carbon credits. And it, this is really part of, I, I think that she called it because there's lots of ESG money available and they're trying to direct this. The other thing I want to point out is how when they talk about the Rockefellers and they kept using the buzzword philanthropy, uh, some of you may recall uh, Carn Andrew Carnegie's uh, Gospel of Wealth. And uh, he talks about that this is, you know, essentially a predecessor to today's effective altruism movement. But before we do that, let's look at this Rockefeller Foundation. It, he said they say that it's from the Rockefeller Foundation, this uh, website. And it says New York, an intrinsic exchange group partner to launch a new asset class to power a sustainable future. So, of course, again, this is signaling that this is all about advancing the 17 uh, sustainable goals of the UN. And uh, yeah, so the, I wanted to point that out because typically philanthropy, when you look back through history, uh, as much as it, I, I really support individuals and communities doing charitable work and elemosinary, and, uh, you know, I absolutely condone that. However, oftentimes it looks like it might be a little bit of a cover for money laundering, embezzlement, and sh tax shelters for the elites. That seems to be what this, you know, a lot of these uh, philanthropic, sorry, <laughs> philanthropic endeavors were really uh, set up to do. In fact, I remember looking up the word uh, phil philanthropy in, uh, and in Australia, they actually uh, equate it as synonymous with embezzlement. I, I don't remember where I saw that, but I remember seeing that one time and I thought that was very interesting because that is kind of what it looks like when you look back through history and the inception of such foundation. So the effect of altruism uh, society, which you some of you may remember, Sam Bankman-Fried, who actually recently went to jail. Uh, he was uh, one of the founders of this effective altruism movement. And it's essentially a way for them to pat themselves on the back uh, when uh, doing what uh, Carnegie would have called the gospel of wealth, you know, determining that it is the elites who should uh, allocate and determine where funds should go and lord that over us plebeians. So, yeah, so I, I will point out, I did not have time, but there were several World Economic Forum websites that uh, might be worth looking into. This has been in the works for quite some time. The New York Stock Exchange and Intrinsic Exchange announced their partnership to establish NACs as a new class of publicly traded companies. What's the significance of having NACs list and trade on the NYSE? Wow, it's huge. <laughs> so I, I, I would say, you know, first off, why a public company? Because people have asked that. These are assets that are public good. They belong to everyone in the world. Uh, but they have to be managed, and the finance has to come through a channel. So it's at a scale of the public markets. 
and you know we wanted to be able to have the signature brand in you know in in the financial markets with the New York Stock Exchange and you know uh, frankly it was a, a little bit shocking that it was the the you know oldest largest exchange that said we want this very forward looking innovation and so i think what it's done is a number of people you know reached out immediately after we made the announcement and said okay we like the idea we were thinking you're moving in the right direction now it seems like this is coming to market and it's real this is novel it's not something that has been done before and you need the right partners to be able to achieve it the private markets wouldn't have been the right approach maybe much easier <laughs> to do that but if these are assets that you know governments it's their patrimony right and uh, these are assets that are in public trust and they're a public good so we believe they really should live in the public markets for everyone to participate in so yes uh, he's talking about the public markets versus the private so it's really the you'll own nothing and be happy agenda it seems to be what they are signaling uh, and they're also uh, priming for public-private partnership. That's essentially what this is, because a lot of this, as I mentioned in the very first video that I played of uh, Douglas Egger, you know, they couldn't, they didn't want to do this through policy. And what they really mean is that they had to figure out how to get around. This would be, I, it looks like they really want to target American land. And from what I can see, you know, I use my beekeeper analogy. I always say that, uh, Americans are like the beekeeper for the free will of humanity. It is my belief that it is up, to, it is incumbent upon the people of America to stand up and preserve the free will of humanity. And I think that, you know, it's far from perfect, but the Constitution restoring it is a really great way to preserve the free will, particularly, I think, the Bill of Rights. Uh, you know, it is unique in that it is a document that stipulates that we have inalienable rights that were endowed to us by our creator. This is my pinned tweet, you know, they say if all the bees die, that humans will cease to exist. Well, America is kind of like the beekeeper. If America doesn't stand for free will, humanity is done. If America goes, so the world follows. This is not to say that I think America is, you know, better than other countries. There's definitely pluses and minuses. I happen to be American, so I'm, you know, proud to be an American. I think that other people from other countries might be proud to be, you know, a native of those countries. And I, I think they should be. Embrace that. But I do think there is something unique, particularly about our Bill of Rights, and we'll need to defend that. So all this to say that I think what he's talking about is a sleight of hand. Part of the reason they in my opinion, that they are really targeting the United States is because the United States is actually very rich in a lot of natural resources, and uh, they probably want to have access to that and, you know, turn those into commodities. That's what it looks like based on what they're saying about these natural asset companies. So hopefully we can stop that. This is really, I'm trying to bring awareness. And again, I know very little. I really just started researching this. So this is really just a teaser for people to do their own investigation, do their own research. And if they feel as compelled as I do, please to take action. And, you know, the, the comment ruling, the comments on the ruling has been extended to January 18th. So that is just a reminder there. And the third video that I pulled, uh, it talks about public-private partnerships. There we are.
this like a concession or a license? In traditionally, that would be you know maybe mining or timbering or some other, you know, extractive. And here, it's the rights to the production of those ecosystem services. And on most public lands, you know, we would not have ownership of the underlying asset or the land, but it's like a water right or a mineral right that you know you can exploit as a a, a private company, and that's the asset. You know, whether they're monetized today. In the future, we continue to monetize ecosystem services or not. That's the value that's inherent. So we have been working with the government to develop a public-private partnership and the right structure. The hope is that we could get a significant valuation for you know, these assets and that there would be proceeds so that you know, the, the government can continue through the private corporation to fund necessary you know, efforts and continue their transition on a really strong, sustainable path. You know, Costa Rica has largely decarbonized their electric grid, and they would like to do the same thing in the transportation sector. And, you know, you need to have fuel to do that, financial fuel. And this is a way that, you know, they feel could be very innovative in the next step in conservation finance. Ships and uh Again, we heard him talk about this is a way to achieve sustainability. Um, I am looking for, I did have a quote, because one of the things is it really looks like they've been, you know, this has been in the works for so long as I, I'm not sure if we played, we uh, showed the, uh, the bill. There was a bill from uh, Nancy Pelosi that was back at the Earth Summit. It was in 1992. Yeah, here, and it passed. So, you know, this this is just what's so incredibly sinister because I so few people hear about all this stuff, but then it's been in the works in 1992. Uh, so this is uh, Representative Nancy Pelosi introduced this in uh, eight five and it's expressing the sense of Congress that the United States should assume a strong leadership role in implementing decisions made at the Earth Summit by developing a national strategy to implement Agenda 21 and other Earth Summit agreements through domestic policy and foreign policy by cooperating with all countries to identify and initiate further agreements to protect the global environment by supporting and participating in high-level United Nations sustainable development commission um yeah so and as i was saying about what they were you know they created this uh accounting system that goes all the way back to i think it was uh 1912 um but it was something like 90 countries who had adopted it but you know they said the united states had not and of course, that is what they're working on. So here, this is from Business Insider. It says, with the in introduction of natural asset companies, the New York Stock Exchange plans to provide investors an inve innovative mechanism to financially support the sustainability initiative they deem critical to our future. Our work with the Intrinsic Exchange Group is another example of the New York Stock Exchange tapping into our community to drive meaningful progress on ESG issues. With solution-based approach, said Stacey Cunningham, president of the New York Stock Exchange. So that is what I was talking about before with the, this, this is, a, there's so much ESG money left, and that's really what this is trying to direct. Um, and then I'm trying to see if I can find this. I don't know if I, 
if I lost it. Oh, here it is. It says some 90 countries have adopted the system of environmental economic accounting and produce baseline national capital accounts. They include European Union members, Australia, Canada, the United Kingdom, and more than 40 developing countries. The U.S. is planning to imp implement this approach, but yet has not yet done so. So that they did really seem to be trying to line everything up for the United States. And here we are. It is uh, going to be now it's extended to January 18th, as I had mentioned. And I just really want to kind of close with, you know, a couple of things. The first one is the Utah state treasurer. He th so this shows we we can stop this. I, I really believe that there is potential uh, if enough people are made aware and want to. And he got 22 other state treasurers to come together. And that is part of why they extended the time initially to January 2nd, because it was unprecedented uh, that it was only 21 days of, you know, after the initial uh, of it being brought forth. And uh, so uh, the so 22 state treasurers got he recruited and they and now I think it's more. Um, so this is uh, his name is Oaks and this is from Utah and it's Marlo M. Oaks. And I highly recommend that you look at his uh, letter because especially if you're planning on filing one, it might give you some ideas of what to suggest and I, this, I think as many people as we can get to stop the NACs as possible yeah so you can go to his Twitter um, you know you can find he has a lot of posts there I think he has links to all of his different uh, articles and of course to this uh, letter that he wrote um, and uh, then I would also say one of the other ones that you should go to uh, yeah, so this is, uh, I don't know if I can read it, but the natural asset companies, uh, he, he's opposing the considerations by the Securities Exchange Commission that would allow for the creation of a listing of a new type of country, uh, sorry, company called natural asset company on the New York Stock Exchange. The proposal poses significant risks to rural economies by creating a mechanism for public and private land to be permanently removed from productive use in the name of solving climate change. The proposed creation of natural asset companies is one of the greatest threats to rural communities in the history of our country. Treasurer Oaks said, under the proposal, private interests, including foreign-controlled sovereign wealth funds, could use their capital to purchase or manage farmland national and state parks and other mineral rich areas and stop essential economic activities like farming grazing and energy extraction recreating on utah's incredible natural lands uh, could also face significant curtailment so i you know understandably that uh it would be the Utah treasurer, because it does look like it really would target so much of that land, uh, you know, over Western United States. Uh, so yeah, he, I, I just recommend you go check it out because he's got several links. He's done several podcasts on the subject as has a uh, Margaret Beifeld and she is with the uh, stewards of Liberty and uh, you can find her work 
on on their web website, American Stewards of Liberty. And uh, she's done several podcasts as well. Uh, she I played that clip from her earlier uh, where she outlined the 30 by 30 leading to the half earth agenda. I think there is one other thing that I left out earlier, which was the Dieter Helms book uh, on natural capital. I, did I get that name right? Um, yeah, so this is The Half Earth, which is by Edward Wilson. He's a biologist. Our planets fight for life. So this is all couched in the name of uh, preserving biodiversity and uh, sustainability. However, uh, last time I checked, we were part of the ecosystem, we being humans, and they want to make it so that we can only inhabit half of the Earth. And uh, the this one is natural capital, valuing the planet. And this is back in 2016. So this really has been in the works for quite a while. It's just unbelievable that it's so quietly going underway. So we are, I think it is so fortunate that we have a little bit more time. And I'm really hoping that more people will speak up and, you know, speak out against it. But this is, yeah, natural capital, valuing the planet. And... Uh, Yes, so the other call to action would be, of course, to call your state and federal representatives and to tell them that you absolutely oppose the, uh, you know, allowing the uh, NACs to be on the New York Stock Exchange. And then you can file a comment with the SEC that has been extended to January 18th. And uh, yeah, so I don't know how much more time I have, but I think I have a few more minutes. And I, what I would just say from there is there was a really great article from the Americans Stewards of Liberty. And I don't have too much time. I had initially said that I was just going to read this article for it to you, um, but I decided against doing that. So uh, you can read it for yourself. But some of the key, I'm just going to list the seven key points that they, this was their letter. Uh, an issue briefing on the SEC proposed rule for natural assets, and it was October 18, 2023. And the first key point, proposed rule authorizes federal lands, including national parks, to be enrolled in NAC. Second, rule, proposed rule gives management authority to the NAC. Third, the Biden administration is preparing to enroll the federal lands into NAC. Fourth, proposed rule invites foreign in interest into to invest in NAC. This is what I was saying about uh, my concerns with uh, Chi Hoshian, uh, the Chinese Minister of Defense, and how he was saying that they were buying up all sorts of deeds to lands in the United States. This seems like a very prime. I saw something about Russia as well. So the, these are people who might not necessarily be our allies, and we are inviting them in. Uh, the fifth is land trust can enroll conservation easements without the landowner's permission. That is just so incredibly unconscionable to me. Uh, those who are familiar with my work will know I say this all the time. I, I, property taxes make me feel like we don't actually own land anyway, because what happens when you default on those taxes? The government seizes your land. It becomes theirs. So essentially we lease the land, but at least we have some sort of uh, purview over that land. And we, you know, sometimes we have to get permits and we still have to get permission, but we do have some rights and uh, to that land. And it seems like this is a way to just seize that from right under us. 
And then six is exclusive rights to natural processes that will be monetized and assigned to NACs. And the seventh is protection of resources that is prioritized over human flourishing. So I think that is just so key because uh, there there was a quote somewhere, and I don't know if I even have it, um, but essentially they had said that the monetization was more important uh, than the the conser the conservation sorry of the land was more important than even production of food. So essentially, they're saying that that is more important to them than uh, human existence. Um, yeah, so I'm going to leave it there. As I said, this is a really cursory introduction that I threw together because I thought it was incredibly urgent. And I am hoping that people will do some further investigation. And if they think that this is as devastating to uh, personal sovereignty as I do, that they will do something and take some action. And uh, I will say that just for me, if you want to support my work, you want to see all of my podcasts. I think I have over 400 interviews now uh, up on my channel, various channels. You can see that, of course, at CourtneyTurner.com. Uh, that is Courtenay, C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y-T-U-R-N-E-R.com. If you want to support all of my research, my work, you can buy me a coffee over there. You can also, if you are inclined, you could uh, send me letters, send me support through my P.O. Box. And that is P.O. Box 680093, Franklin, Tennessee, 37068. And uh, again, I'm your host, Courtney Turner. And that is C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y-T-U-R-N-E-R.com. And uh, you can go check out all my work there, CourtneyTurner.com. It has been such a treat to spend this very first day of the new year with you. And I hope you will continue to tune in. I do have a really great episode coming up that I've done quite a bit of extensive research on uh, that will be shortly. So check out Mondays, uh, 3 p.m. Central Time on WWCR Worldwide Radio. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.